Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical, underage sale prohibited. Introducing Zone Nicotine Pouches, the perfect balance of unparalleled comfort, longer-lasting flavor, and nicotine that satisfies. Whether you're zoning in during the race or zoning out after a tough day at work, Zone gets you there faster and keeps you there longer. Available in seven flavors and in six and nine milligram strengths. Find Zone at zonepouches.com and retailers near you. Own your Zone with Zone Nicotine Pouches. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. Racing back to the white flag. What a move first by Kyle. What a move second by Logano, and it gets him the lead. White flag is out. Joey Logano headed to one for the final time. Crowd is going nuts. They're three wide for fifth, but at the front of the pack, Joey Logano has the lead, and he is gone off turn two. Opening up three car lengths, four car lengths, five car lengths in front. Joey Logano, the race leader for the final time. Back to corner number three with Kyle Busch in second, Ryan Blaney in third, Joey Logano, the leader. As he exits turn number four, the fans on their feet waving their hats. Checkered flag in the air. Joey Logano wins the inaugural Enjoy Illinois 300 at Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway. Logano wins it. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you as we have cleared the Memorial Day weekend. We are hammered down into the month of June and the stretch of summer racing ahead that will take us this weekend to St. Louis and Portland. More on that coming up. We're going to take you back to last year when the NASCAR Cup Series returned to Worldwide Technology Raceway. What an exciting race that was. We'll relive it together. Also on the show today, we'll visit with RCR NASCAR Xfinity Series driver Austin Hill. He'll join us. Plus, we'll celebrate Brad Keselowski as he is set to make his 500th career start this weekend. We'll also preview all the racing action ahead of us this weekend at Worldwide Technology Raceway and a whole lot more. But first, Kyle Ricky is here with a check of the latest headlines in NASCAR. Kyle? Mike, after yesterday's incident in the Coca-Cola 600 at the Charlotte Motor Speedway, NASCAR has suspended Chase Elliott for one race for intentionally wrecking Denny Hamlin. Elliott will be eligible to return at Sonoma Raceway on June 11th. There is a new record for the most NASCAR National Series miles raced in one day. Sunday, Justin Haley competed in 898.5 miles between the Coca-Cola 600 NASCAR Cup Series race and the Allsco Uniforms 300 Xfinity Series event. Haley was a late shoe-in for Kyle Busch, who had practiced and qualified the number 10 car, but backed out after Saturday's Xfinity action was rained out. Busch posted on social media saying his focus needed to be with the Richard Childress Racing number 8 team as he geared up for 600 miles of racing in Charlotte. Roush Fenway Keselowski Racing announced a partnership with Blue Forge Alliance, a nonprofit integrator for the U.S. Navy's submarine industrial base. The new partnership will showcase the wide array of desirable careers by reinvigorating America's manufacturing workforce through the BuildSubmarines.com initiative. BuildSubmarines.com will be featured as a primary partner for 10 races across RFK's two NASCAR Cup Series teams in 2023 and in 18 events per season beginning in 2024. Mike. 
Coming up, we celebrate a career milestone for Brad Keselowski. Then later, Austin Hill joins the show. Napa! Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shins that eliminate noise for the life of the pad. Rubber-coated hardware for a better fit and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. This weekend at Worldwide Technology Raceway, Brad Keselowski will celebrate a career milestone. The 2012 NASCAR Cup Series champion is set to make his 500th start in his NASCAR career. Our Jason Toy is here now to help us look back on the career highlights for Brad Keselowski. Brad Keselowski's career spans over 16 years, and the driver has piled up numerous accomplishments over the years. Early on, the now 39-year-old made it evident he was the real deal. Here comes Ryan Newman closing down. Junior trying to push him to the front. Carl Edwards has the lead, though. He's not been in the picture all afternoon. Suddenly, he's in the lead, but under attack. Contact here in the trioval. Edwards goes up in the air. Brad Keselowski comes by. He'll score the win in the Aaron's 499. Taking the sport by storm in just his fifth Cup Series start, Keselowski's first win was one of the most unlikely to happen in recent history. At the age of 25 and driving the 0-9 for James Finch, the driver secured his first Cup Series win at Talladega, the only one of which he drove a Chevrolet to victory lane. When examining his career, Talladega Super Speedway has been a strength for Keselowski. Michael McDowell goes to second. Kevin Harvick goes to the high side in third. Here comes Michael McDowell looking to the inside, but Brad Keselowski, the leader, off turn four. Crowd on their feet. Here they come, racing back to the checkered flag. They're crashing further back. Eric Jones is involved. Here comes Michael McDowell pulling alongside. It won't be enough. And Brad Keselowski has picked up the win, scoring the victory in the Geico 500 at Talladega by a mere inches. Just like he did in his first career Cup Series win in the spring of 2021, Keselowski led for a lone lap to win for a sixth time at the Super Speedway, making it arguably his best track. The win moved him to second all-time in wins at Talladega, tying with Jeff Gordon and Dale Earnhardt Jr. The early days of Brad's career had its struggles, which isn't out of the usual for a young driver trying to excel at the sport's highest level. Keselowski found his footing in 2011 during his second season of full-time racing for Team Penske. Here he comes to the bottom of the racetrack. Could he do it? Brad Keselowski is off turn four. Still up to speed off turn number four. Still with about three seconds in front of Dale Earnhardt Jr. He'll do it. He'll cross the line, milking it right to the last lap. Brad Keselowski, after winning the last time in April of 2009, 75 races ago, he'll win today at Kansas Speedway in the STP 400. You, know, you look at our runs earlier this year. We've been top five, top ten cars a lot of races this year and caught bad breaks. And you can only put yourself in position for good things to happen to you for so long and not have something eventually good happen to you, and it did today in Kansas. It was, in fact, the first of many good things that would happen for Keselowski and team owner Roger Penske. He finished 2011 
11, winning three races and would follow up that season, winning five as he punctuated 2012 with a bang. 28-year-old Brad Keselowski is the NASCAR Sprint Cup Series champion. They are high-fiving on pit road as Jeff Gordon wins the race and Brad Keselowski is our 2012 Sprint Cup Series champ. Not only was it Keselowski's first championship, but also the first for team owner Roger Penske. Such a great team. It's been a team effort all year. Oh, Brad, Paul, the whole engine shop, all the guys back. It's uh, all about the human capital in this organization. I can't tell you what a thrill it is for me. It was a goal I've had for so many years and uh, been able to make it happen now. It's uh, just amazing. The duo would have many memorable moments during their stint together at Team Penske. But the one moment that stands out to many is what transpired in the closing laps at Chicagoland Speedway in 2014. 16 to go across the stripe. A dead heat between Kevin Harvick and Kyle Larson. Gloves are off for the lead and here comes Brad Keselowski. He's trying to fill the hole up the middle. They are three wide for the lead in Chicagoland. Harvick, Keselowski and Larson. Larson will lose out. He took the high lane. He'll drop back to third. Keselowski will thunder past Kevin Harvick. He'll go to the lead. Harvick to second and Larson in third on the top of the racetrack. That's what you call a power move. Brad Keselowski saw these two battling for the lead. There was an opening in between right through the middle and to the front of the field. Not only was it a power move, but the winning move of the race. Today, it's all about the captain and Keselowski. Off turn four for the final time. Ford had never won before at Chicagoland Speedway, but they will today with Brad Keselowski winning at Chicagoland Speedway. Over his 499 NASCAR Cup Series starts, Keselowski has gone to victory lane 35 times, 34 of which for Roger Penske. At the end of the 2021 season, the driver announced he would be venturing into ownership as he and Jack Roush have formed Roush Fenway Keselowski Racing. Keselowski has yet to win for his new organization, but believes his team is on an upward trajectory. You know, there's been ups and downs and everything in between, and uh, some moments we're proud of, some moments that, you know, we're learning from the hard way, and um, probably a, a lot of it is to be expected, and it, it's, a, it's a journey with a, a lot of different steps uh, in the way of the process, but I'm excited about the progress we're showing, and I'm firmly believe that we can get uh, this company to where we can win races and contend for championships and uh, and titles for, for years to come. The Michigan native has yet to put a timetable on when he might step away from racing, but he has put together a Hall of Fame-worthy resume. His most recent accomplishment was being named to NASCAR's 75 Greatest Drivers list. This weekend, when Keselowski gets behind the wheel of a cup car for the 500th time, he'll do so knowing he put together a career that many dream of. Coming up, we'll chat with Austin Hill. Wheelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights, white illumination lighting, sirens, controllers, and warning systems for the automotive, aviation, and mass notification industries worldwide. Wheelan products are designed, sourced, and manufactured in America and tested on site to meet the toughest industry standards. Wheelan Engineering, manufactured in America for over 70 years. We never left, and we're here to stay. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. It was a long weekend for Austin Hill and the NASCAR Xfinity Series as they finished in the late hours of Monday night at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Following the marathon weekend, Austin recorded his sixth top five finish of the season, and things have been strong so far in 2023 for Austin. 
This weekend, Austin and the rest of the Xfinity Series will make the long trek out west to the Pacific Northwest to Portland International Raceway. Austin sat down with our Kim Kuhn to discuss his strong season and the road course challenges ahead. Busy weekend, Austin coming up. You guys have to race on a late Monday night and then go all the way to the West Coast. So what is this meeting going to look like, this week going to look like for you, being that it's a little bit shorter than usual? Yeah, I mean, we've already had some of our meetings and stuff either canceled or just, come, you know, pushed back or whatever. So there's a lot of things that have been changing this week for us um, with everyone at RCR and, and ECR. But um, it's kind of business as usual for me. I mean, I, I, I got up this morning, went and did my workouts, did all, the, all those things. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of, I guess you could say this Tuesday is almost like a little day off for me. Um, I don't have a whole lot going on other than the workout that I had this morning. And uh, with having three kids, I stay busy with that. So we, we got a few things going on this evening. But uh, and then uh, the rest of the week's pretty pretty easy. I'll be going up to RCR tomorrow to do a few things, and um, then we'll be heading out early Thursday morning. So it'll be a long flight for us. Uh, Thursday we'll be flying out around nine in the morning and. With all the stops that we have and everything else uh, to get fuel, it'll be, I don't know, four o'clock or so Eastern before we land. So it'll be a long Thursday for us going into uh, to this Portland weekend. But I'm very excited to get going uh, on these road course races coming up and turning left and right. Let's talk about those road courses. We hit Portland and then stay out west for Sonoma. Where do you kind of track RCR's road course program at this point? Uh, I think we have a really solid program. I think that, you know, we're a solid top five team for the most part, uh, especially when we hit it right. We, we have a shot at winning. Last year at Portland, it, it rained basically the whole weekend we were there. So um, we don't really know what we're going to have there if, it, if it's dry. Um, so, but, but we ran good in the rain. We finished third and, you know, had a good day there. So I feel really good about Portland, you know, with, with me having laps around the racetrack. Um, I'm hoping it stays dry just to see kind of where we stack up in the dry. And, um, you know, going to Sonoma, I'm not really sure what that's going to be like. I was able to do a, a Skip Barber school deal out there. And, you know, that kind of helped me a little bit, just being able to kind of see the elevation changes and how the, the track works and, you know, um, how abrasive the track was, things like that. So, you know, I, I haven't ever ran at Sonoma, but I, I, it was good to get out there and, and at least do that with the Skip Barber program and just kind of see how everything is. But um, I, I'm just really excited to get going road course racing. It's one of my favorite things to do out of all the racing we do. I, I love road course racing. So I'm hoping to end up in victory lane in one of these two or maybe both of them. Let's talk about your season. You're on this string of three straight top five finishes. You started with a bang in terms of the season in general. You had three wins by the time we were, you know, waving the checkered flag at Atlanta. But there was this little slump, we'll call it a slump, of, of like four-ish races in between where you guys weren't getting the finishes that you guys are capable of. What do you attribute kind of that peak, valley, and then back to a peak to? Well, you know, I think there's definitely racetracks that we're stronger at than others. And, and I feel like every team kind of has that for the most part. You'll have some racetracks where you're really, really good and, and you have a shot at winning. And then there's other tracks where you think that you're going to be good and then you unload and, and you're struggling all day and you're trying to find the balance and trying to figure out, you know, where you need to be. And, and 
I feel like as a driver, I mean, there's there's drivers that are out there that maybe are really good at a certain racetrack and they're not as good at others. Um, you know, I feel like I, I do a really good job on the super speedways. And um, so I feel like I'm, I'm good there. But when we go to like a shorter track like a Martinsville, I'm still trying to figure out, you know, exactly what I need in my race car to um, be able to win there. Uh, it seems like we've had speed there, but, uh, you know, it just each and every time we go there, we, we kind of fight fight different things and then I'm trying to find things uh, you know to change my driving style with to, to make it a little bit better so um, you know you go to these certain racetracks that you you have a lot of confidence in and, and you think you can get the job done and then maybe some others you're like man if I could just salvage a top 10 here I'd be all right um, and go on to the next one but um, yeah I mean I feel like we've had speed all year and it's not from you know with that little dip that we had I, I don't think it's really necessarily all on not having speed there's just been some um unfortunate circumstances that have kind of happened throughout a race that's kind of gotten us behind but uh, but now we're back on you know being consistent being in the top five and uh, we feel like the wins are going to come here eventually if we keep just knocking out the top five like we're doing it's official He's going to go back-to-back as a winner at Daytona. Austin Hill is the winner tonight in the beef. It's what's for dinner, 300 back-to-back wins at Daytona for Austin Hill. So you mentioned some of your stronger tracks, super speedways. Looking at performances at a track, is it more gratifying to win at a track where you know you can win, where you're strong, or at a track you've overcome challenges and have had to really learn? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that a racetrack that, you know, you, you from the from day one that you unload and you're just really good there and for whatever it is, it just fits your driving style or whatever the case is, uh, is it, really nice. But it, it is also really gratifying to say you unload other racetrack and you're like, man, I cannot figure this racetrack out to save my life. Like it, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where my lift points need to be. I feel like when I drive a certain bump that I can't get through it right. And then, you know, maybe a, you, you race there two or three times and you start getting a little bit more confidence there and you start figuring different techniques and things out that you can do. Uh, I think it's really gratifying when you do kind of break through a racetrack that you've maybe been struggling at for a little while and, and get that win or maybe finish in the top five. Uh, Charlotte's a great example. I feel like I've struggled at Charlotte in years past and it was really hard to run inside the top 10 there, even in the truck side. And I just felt like I, I struggled like trying to get over the bumps and like what I needed to do and, and what I needed in my, my car to to be able to, to run up front. And then we were able to run inside the top five all night at Charlotte, uh, was running third there. And we kind of did like a, a strategy on, on pit stops, thinking that everyone was gonna have to pit and try to flip it and, and get the lead. And it didn't didn't pan out, but it wasn't from a lack of effort. So it was really nice to to get that fourth place finish at Charlotte, because I think it just kind of builds, builds our confidence going forward because we struggled a lot there last year. You set yourself apart in terms of wins. You have three on the season so far, but then you look at kind of the next guy, John Hunter Nemechek, and when you look at all the categories, race wins and laps led and stage points, you guys are kind of, you know, back and forth, you're, you're tit for dat and kind of keeping each other accountable on who's the best out there. Do you, A, see yourself as the current championship favor? And then because you guys seem to just have this back and forth battle when it comes to stats, is John Hunter the biggest threat to winning the championship to you and your team? 
Yeah, I, I think that, that it's it's still early to say. I think that the junior cars are going to start coming on strong here, especially during the summer months. It just seems like when you do get into the summer months, the junior cars just they come alive. So I, I think that you know with Justin Allgaier winning this this past weekend, that um, that's going to build junior motorsports confidence. So. I think they're going to be players for sure. Uh, obviously, the Gibbs cars and John Hunter, they're, they're our biggest threat as of right now for the regular season championship. So they're going to be a big player. Uh, it seems like the Gibbs cars, it doesn't matter what racetrack we go to, they're, they're good everywhere we go. Um, I don't know what it is about those cars. They just have something figured out at these racetracks where they, they just have a lot of mechanical grip, you know, more than what we normally have. So we, we kind of play catch up a lot of the times just trying to figure out you know what we need in our car to be a little bit better and they seem to be really good from the start um, no matter where it's at so I think that they're probably our biggest threat right now and as far as you know being a favorite or anything I, I I've always been considered the uh, underdog and stuff so I'm kind of wanting to keep that kind of you know name um, I don't know if you could say I'm the favorite right now we have been having a really strong season and we're running up front running inside the top five but uh, we're just trying to do do our own thing and um, hopefully it all pans out and and once we get into the playoffs we have a lot of bonus points that we can lean on and the biggest thing for me and the biggest challenge that I have going into the playoffs is getting into that final final four round for Phoenix because each and every year even from the truck days uh, I always seem to get into that round before the uh, final four and always miss it by two or three four or five points and uh, so it's been a little frustrating there so uh, just trying to trying to get that box check to, to make it in that final final four, and then anything can happen once you get to Phoenix. Thank you, Kim. Coming up, the NASCAR Cup Series returns to Worldwide Technology Raceway this weekend. We'll listen back to all the excitement from last year's race. Then later, Brian Wilson joins us. Outdoor care to home and auto repair. Do it with Craftsman. Find the tools, equipment, and storage you need at your local Lowe's, Ace Hardware, or Craftsman.com. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We continue on this week's NASCAR Live. Last year, the NASCAR Cup Series made its long-awaited debut at Worldwide Technology Raceway in Gateway, and it turned out to be one of the best races of the season. Let's listen back to what racing can be like at the mile-and-a-quarter racetrack. Sold-out crowd on their feet here at Worldwide Technology Raceway just outside of St. Louis. It is the inaugural event for the NASCAR Cup Series. The field now off four, making their way to the stripe, and the green flag is in the air, and we are underway. In position. Trouble turn one. The leader is off the pace. Chase Briscoe has got a problem. There is a left rear tire down on the high point board. Chase Briscoe from the lead. He'll head to pit road as they make it around. 
down to turn three. Straight away, the race leader, Austin Sendrick. He's got slower cars straight ahead, but he will be able to work his way up toward the middle lanes of the banking without issue coming off turn four. Representing Team Penske, driving a Ford Mustang. Here he comes, the Daytona 500 winner, Austin Sendrick across the line, and the green and white checkered flag is out, and Sendrick picks up the stage one win. This is Trouble the- turn two, Denny Hamlin gets hit from behind by Ross Chastain. He wallops the outside safer barrier. Ross Chastain needs to run and hide from Denny Hamlin, Dave. You saw it off of turn number two. Denny ran Ross all the way to the apron, and I don't think this is done just yet. No, because Denny Hamlin is running far enough off the pace that the leaders are going to bypass him about every 10 to 15 laps. Denny Hamlin ran Ross Chastain all the way to the grass at the exit of turn number three. Ross, there was no way for a million dollars that he was going to try and pass Denny on the outside. And you're right, I'm not sure Denny Hamlin's going to cool down considerably between now and the next time Ross Chastain comes up. Ross Chastain is right behind Austin Sindrick coming by the start-finish line. Here's Denny Hamlin. They're going to go to the outside of Hamlin. Hamlin now runs up in front of Chastain in turn one. Chastain goes to the bottom. Hamlin goes to the bottom. Chastain goes to the top. Hamlin goes to the top. Finally, Ross Chastain makes his way under, but he's lost a third of the back straightaway now to Austin Sindrick. The leader's around. Left rear tire is down. Ryan Blaney backs into the outside retaining wall. Another left rear tire down on the Ryan Blaney Ford as he refires and pulls away. And another leader taking a major shot. Trouble. Chase Elliott goes for a spin. He'll slide down and nearly get collected. He does. Harrison Burton will get into the left front. Bubba Wallace goes for a spin behind Chase Elliott. Bubba stood on the brakes and spun the race car to avoid T-boning the driver's side of Chase Elliott's race car. And the caution flag flies now for the fourth time this afternoon. As there's contact with Chase Elliott and other cars back there as Elliott was trying to get to the back bumper of Chastain. B.J. McLeod, who's minding his own business, running his own race, and oh, by the way, in NASCAR Cup Series start number 300 for B.J. McLeod. Trouble in turn number three, and it's Bubba Wallace. Bubba Wallace goes around, coming off the end of the backstretch on the high side of the racetrack, and now continues on his way. And that will put us under the caution flag for only the fourth time here. Exiting turn number four, green and white checkered flag flag is in the air. The conclusion of stage number two is here. And Kurt Busch wins the stage. If they're going to split this Trouble run. back straight away. Tyler Reddick gets turned. Slides down to the inside. Keeps it off the inside base. A safer barrier. A couple of cars got tangled up at the exit of turn number two. Caution flag at number seven. 39 laps to go. We got a caution. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. brings it out. He spins midway down the back straightaway and the caution flag comes out for the ninth time. Rusty, you were right. You thought you'd see another caution. Here's one, and this one comes with 39 laps left to go. At the front of the field, it's Kyle Busch, Logano, Eric Elmarola, Eric Jones, and Martin Truex Jr. Trouble turn one. Cole Custer is around. Slams the outside wall. Driver's door 
for first, slides to a stop midway between one and two. A single car crash for Cole Custer between one and two. Again, just when you think you might know who's going to victory lane, hang on, Logano, the leader under the caution flag with 18 to go. First in the sport as we sit right now, battling for the inaugural win in the Enjoy Illinois 300. Car in the wall is Kevin Harvick. Caution is on the speedway. Harvick pounds the safer barrier out there on the racetrack. He'll try to ride the car and on the wall, but can't quite get the car rolling just yet. And Jeff, we are under caution for the 10th time. An amazing reaction by the crowd that was so focused on Kyle Busch and Joey Logano. They saw the yellow flag go in the air and you saw hands raised like, oh no, that's going to end this battle for the lead. But only for a moment. Here we go. It's overtime. Racing back to the white flag. What a move first by Kyle. What a move second by Logano and it gets him the lead. White flag is out. Joey Logano headed to one for the final time. Crowd is going nuts. They're three wide for fifth, but at the front of the pack, Joey Logano has the lead and he is gone off turn two. Opening up three car lengths, four car lengths, five car lengths in front. Joey Logano, the race leader for the final time. Back to corner number three with Kyle Busch in second, Ryan Blaney in third, Joey Logano, the leader. As he exits turn number four, the fans on their feet waving their hats. Checkered flag in the air. Joey Logano wins the inaugural Enjoy Illinois 300 at Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway. Logano wins it. Coming up, Harrison Burton's crew chief, Brian Wilson, will join us. And later, we'll preview this weekend's racing action. Kyle Larson brings his Chevy Ford tires to no racing fuel. From fueling NASCAR champions on the track for over 20 years to innovating 94 octane, the highest octane on the market. Performance is what Sunoco does. All Sunoco fuel at the pump meets the same top tier standards as the fuel used in NASCAR. Money's back here for Ryan Blaney. Four tires with Sunoco fuel. From the track to your tank, you can trust Sunoco to help your vehicle perform at its peak. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Harrison Burton has been on a strong run of form for the Wood Brothers as of late. Burton finished 6th at Darlington, then 11th the next week during the All-Star Race at North Wilkesboro before an 18th place finish Monday night in the Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte. His crew chief, Brian Wilson, joined Steve Post and Todd Gordon on a recent episode of Crew Call to break down the team's recent performance and look ahead to this weekend's racing in St. Louis. Talk about waiting out a rain delay as a team. I mean, I, I, for, the, for the people that are tuning in, I don't think they understand everything that goes on. Talk about what that's like for you and, and your team and, and just working through the logistics of Sunday to Monday. Yeah, so, you know, I think you've got to back up just a step. We didn't even have practice. So you understand as a crew chief, when you don't have practice, you don't know what you have. <laughs> so you've got all these questions. And you go through the night and you talk to your engineers and you talk to your driver and you talk to your technical alliance with Team Penske. You try to understand where everyone's at. And then you add a delay into that. And you've already done your final adjustments. So all those question marks are just floating in your head. The conversations come back up. Hey, if this happens, what are we going to do? If this happens, what are we going to do? What do you think the balance is going to be? And so uh, from a crew chief standpoint, you you really have all those questions that keep floating around for even longer than you expected. So 
Um, yeah, handling the rain delay, trying to keep the guys focused, trying to keep yourself focused, trying to keep your driver in a good head frame uh, are all the type of things that you have to deal with. Brian, you talked about this, and those of us in the media, we love lines like, oh, we went through COVID with no practice at all, so they do it all the time. <laughs> Talk about the balance of hitting that right spot. I understand it was a different world in COVID, and we did it all the time. We have a lot more experience with no practice in qualifying, but still, what is uh, how challenging is that to, to roll into turn one with a green flag like that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we've... Uh... Like you said, we've done it before, so we all have confidence that we can do it, but it doesn't always mean that you do it perfectly, right? So, uh, we, you know, in the Cup Series, to be competitive, you have to be perfect and you have to be very strong. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a huge challenge. And, and, and to build off that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the crew chief side and I'm going to lead you into this one, but I'm going to remind Steve that we did that with a Gen 6 car, which was a lot more forgiving on hitting the targets, right, Brian? Yeah, absolutely. Like, like everyone knows, we're trying to hit the targets, the travels, uh, the downforce. You know, you're trying to, to make sure you're not on the limiter too hard. Uh, oh, by the way, you haven't been to Charlotte in a year. And we all know that that place is rough. The bumps change. Bumps typically don't get better. So it's a very fine line that you're walking. Uh, it, it's challenging. Brian, uh, you, you referenced Darlington. I want to go back a couple of weeks. Sixth place finish. I, I heard some conversation. Uh, Harrison Burton did a conversation. And he's like, leading up to this, you know, we'd have phases of this race and phases of that race. And we finally put one all together. Um, just kind of describe the satisfaction of putting one all together, especially at a place like Darlington. And, and what that means for a team like you is you guys scratch and claw your way forward. Yeah, absolutely. It felt like a win for us. Um, and honestly, it's funny because sometimes wins feel like relief. So there was a lot of relief within our group, like, hey, we can do this. Uh, we've seen those glimmers of hope. Um, something we've talked about is, all right, let's have a great Saturday and let's transfer the Saturday into the Sunday. And how do we connect that? How do we anticipate what we need from practice into the race? And so for us, it was a lot of satisfaction just being able to complete a very solid weekend good in practice, good in qualifying, good to start the race, execute the whole race and get a great result. So it felt like a win. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, and that sixth place finish was indicative of all day. It's not like you backed into that one. That was where you, you were a fifth, sixth place car all day long. It was It was phenomenal to watch that and that success. Now, as you look at that, that race and what you did, I mean, such a tough place, but where can you take that success and build it forward into the races that are coming up? Yeah, and I feel like that really it built from Kansas. There was something that we hit on at Kansas. Uh, the idea kind of came from the wheel force test that the Ford group did at Charlotte. So we felt like, okay, this is something we can build on at all of these places that have an intermediate style. Um, obviously, you've got to tailor the setup depending on if it's Darlington, if it's Charlotte, wherever you're going. But uh, we do feel like we hit on something. Kansas, we didn't have a great result, but we had speed. We took that, we went to Darlington. So then, you know, we felt like, okay, we can build from this. We can go into Charlotte. Now, Charlotte was a bit more of a, a struggle to make sure that the balance was correct, but we felt like the potential was in the car. Um, so I feel like we're building and we're learning within the Ford group. Um, what do we need to have at those type of tracks? So I, I think this is indicative of something that we're building. You saw it in the 12 car at, at Charlotte. They, they obviously had better speed than we've had as a Ford group in a while. So I, I think there are some things that are happening, obviously, the Ford group doesn't roll over. We're going to keep building and fighting and trying to get better. So I think it's indicative of what we're seeing and, and some of the information that we're getting and, and uh, really applying it and, and seeing the speed from it. Uh, keep it a current here or looking forward a little bit when we talk about next up worldwide technology raceway, 
the 22 car. Joey Logano picked up the win there. So in the house, in the family up there, um, different than what you're talking about with the intermediates. It's a, it's a flat, shorter track, but you're just your assessment going into this weekend out there at Gateway. Yeah, obviously you love to have notes that you can build from. Um, we've got a good notebook on what the 22 did last year. Uh, we feel like we've learned a lot since then. It's, that's the toughest thing about the Cup Series is things change week to week. So saying that you're going to look at year-old notes and expect to be good is tough. But you still know what you've learned since then. You can take some of the aspects of maybe Phoenix. Uh, you know, obviously the the Ford Group was very strong at Phoenix last year. Um, maybe we can take some of what we learned there. Um, it does have enough speed to where some of the aero advantages or, or changes that we've applied recently, maybe they will apply. So that's a lot of the debates that are going on right now. How much is it going to apply? How much do we take from it? Uh, how do you piece all that together? Is kind of what the crew chief does, you know. To catch the full interview, watch MRN Crew Call every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern on YouTube and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up, we'll look ahead to the racing action that'll take place this weekend outside of St. Louis and also in Portland. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is NASCAR Live. Now back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. After an extended weekend in Charlotte, the NASCAR world prepares for a split weekend as the NASCAR Xfinity Series is headed to the Pacific Northwest to Portland International Raceway, while the NASCAR Cup and Craftsman Truck Series will be back in the Midwest at Worldwide Technology Raceway for the second year in a row. Let's hear what some of the drivers have to say ahead of this Sunday's race underneath the shadows of the Gateway Arch. After another wild 600 miles at the Charlotte Motor Speedway, the NASCAR Cup Series is headed to the Gateway of the West at Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway. The driver who came out on top of Monday's Coca-Cola 600 was Ryan Blaney. That race snapped a 59-race winless streak for Blaney and has put him up to second in the point standings, just one behind Ross Chastain. Now that Blaney has the win, is it fair to contemplate whether this could match 2021, which is considered the best season of his career? While the Team Penske driver isn't ready to do that, he thinks the performance at Charlotte goes a long way in showing they can compete with Hendrick and Gibbs cars in 2023. I remember some of the things about the, that season, you know, obviously the wins you remember and then the, the unfortunate parts you remember. So yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'd say before tonight, Maybe I haven't felt as competitive as far as like speed wise. I feel like we've been behind, you know, Hendrick and, and Gibbs have been really good. I feel like we were a touch off of them up until this point. I thought tonight we did an amazing job of competing with them and beating them. So, yeah, it's hard to compare to 21. Um, I'd like to get a few more wins and then maybe I can compare and make it even better. But but this is a, definitely a fun one. This marks the second race for the Cup Series at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Last year was a wild affair with the race coming down 
down to a battle on a late restart between Joey Logano and Kyle Busch. Busch remembers the race as an interesting one where the shifting that took place lent to drivers being able to be more aggressive. Yeah, I guess probably more so because of the shifting than anything. You know, you're able to go into the corner and downshift and come out of the corner and have the torque and the engine and everything else. You know, if you kind of slip up or you bog the center of the corner down a little too much because your car is too tight, you're going to lose that momentum and you're not going to have that speed. And so you're just going to be slow. But I feel like everybody can kind of bounce right back coming out of the turns in uh, in relation to their center of the corner speed. But overall, yeah, I mean, I thought... Um, quite an interesting race i felt like the line really moved around a lot um i could not run the bottom at either end of the racetrack i was kind of a top guy so uh that was that was kind of fun to see the the place really have some character chase elliott expands on bush saying the track has character by explaining that the two completely different ends of the racetrack makes it unique. Yeah, you know, it's it, uh, thinking about it from our run. We, we didn't have a great run there last year. So, you know, I thought the track was fine. I, I didn't. Uh, it's definitely unique having two different ends like that. You know, we had that at a few different tracks. Um, but that, that makes the racetrack kind of unique and fun and different when you have two different ends that are that are so, so different from one another. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back, you know, trying to get a little better and and um, hopefully get going the right direction. Last year's Enjoy Illinois 300 earned its place amongst MRN's top 10 races of 2023. Brad Kozlowski is excited to get back again and says Gateway is one of the more perfect tracks for the next-gen race car. I think Gateway is a really good racetrack for the next-gen car. It's uh, got multiple grooves. Uh, on both ends to kind of eliminate some of the aero stuff that we talk about, or maybe not all the way, but partially at least. Uh, it's got good speed down the straightaway and, and then tight corners that make you really search for grip. So, you know, I think there's certain tracks that fit the cars better than others. And, and Gateway, the, the way it's laid out and it was set up last year and assuming the same this year is, is one of those. Team Penske's success at the track in 2022 wasn't just limited to Logano's victory. Austin Sindrick led 26 laps and picked up a stage one win. Sindrick remembers that varying strategy calls and crazy restarts because of how important track position can be at the 1.25 mile oval. It was an interesting race last year with with different strategy calls with with whether it's track position or you know two tires, no tires, four tires. We were one of the cars that ran up front most of the day and, and, and took four tires at the end and probably didn't weren't able to really utilize it. But it's a fun racetrack. I think the, the racetrack itself has done an incredible job promoting whether it's the, been, been the NASCAR events there or, or the IndyCar events you know every time you see it they've got a full crowd and the fan response was was awesome last year so look forward to coming back and and, and seeing that and being a part of that and you know something that probably makes that place really unique is is how much shifting we're doing throughout the lap just because you have two completely different corners with with a really long sweeping turn three and four and pretty tight turn one and two but the restarts were crazy because track position was 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 so important whether that was for the lead of the race you know coming coming at the end i thought i thought joey and kyle's battle was was a, was a really classic, you know, finish to an NASCAR race. But even throughout the pack, it's pretty pretty wild. Last year's inaugural event was such a success that even drivers who didn't have the greatest of days there remember it fondly. 
Corey LaJoy finished last after having an engine issue, but is excited to get back to St. Louis because of how great last year's crowd was. And he expects the racing to be even better the second time around. Man, it's an odd place. Something happened. We, I think we DNF there, blew up or something. So I don't, I didn't get a good feel for uh, traffic and longevity of tire and things like that. But I think it's a cool market to go to, and, and the fans kept, turned out to uh, to support it. Uh, I'm I'm a fan of going somewhere new often, um, just to try to see what works. And you know, I think that our our next gen car is the as the teams have understand how to make them go. I think it should be uh, a little bit better race than it was last year. I think it got strung out quite a bit. I'm excited to go back to Gateway here in a couple weeks. If the racing is better this year, fans will be in for a treat. Last year had a packed house, a great finish, and was the birthplace of the Ross Chastain-Denny Hamlin rivalry. Will we see new rivalries bubble up to the surface this year? Coverage of the 2023 edition of the Enjoy Illinois 300 kicks off at 2.30 p.m. on Sunday, right here on the Motor Racing Network. That Worldwide Technology Raceway preview is brought to you by Whelan Engineering. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, has been manufacturing in America for over 70 years. We never left, and we're here to stay. Coming up... We'll flashback to the 1999 CarQuest 250. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We're about to throw the checkered flag on this week's NASCAR Live. Before we do, let's go back into the MRN time machine and listen to the conclusion of the 1999 CarQuest 250. It's time to show it right now. And Dale Earnhardt Jr. has one more tenth of a second on Randy LaJoy. Opens it up to three car lengths as he heads to one. Here comes Dale Earnhardt Jr. now out of turn number two. A couple, now three car lengths over Randy LaJoy. They're on the backstretch. Dale Earnhardt continues to pull away now from Randy LaJoy. Perhaps maybe LaJoy may have used up his tires too much now as the car length separation is about seven car lengths. Back into turn three, Dale Earnhardt with a little puff of smoke off the brakes on the right front as the leaders work their way off turn four. Here's Earnhardt Jr now closing in on some lapped traffic just ahead. About three cars in front. He'll have to negotiate by. Picks up another car length or two on. Randy LaJoy going to the corner. Looked for a while like Randy was closing in right up on the bumper a few times, but he's beginning to fall back a little bit, Fred. He's fallen off the pace by about four car lengths, and now as they have to maneuver their way around some lap traffic, here's Earnhardt getting a pretty good runoff turn two. LaJoy is going to have to deal with Butch Miller now as he heads to three. And easily does it as Butch Miller gives way down on the inside. LaJoy drives it deeper again into the turn, but not making up as much ground as he has in the past as Earnhardt pulls away off turn four. Five laps to go when they come to the line this time. Jim Phillips, what's the attitude there? What's the mood in Earnhardt's pit? Well, Tony Urey Sr. hadn't changed all day long. Joe, he never really changes his emotion for the first time in about the last ten laps. He called out something to Earnhardt Jr. Dale Jr.'s not said anything back to him, so they're just calm, have their fingers crossed, but they look a little bit more calm now that he's pulled back away. Imagine they're pretty confident here in the closing laps as they've moved away from Randy LaJoy. He was closing in so quickly for a while. Now he's fallen back by about five car lengths. Coming back to the line, it'll be four laps to go. 
Dale Earnhardt Jr. in command with Randy LaJoy behind him. Joe Nemechek is third, Jeff Green fourth, and Jason Keller fifth. Let's follow the leaders back through turns one and two. Here comes Dale Earnhardt Jr. with the race lead. Two car lengths, the advantage over second place, Randy LaJoy. LaJoy working hard, but still unable to catch Earnhardt Jr. But he is starting to make up a little bit of ground. Perhaps maybe let his tires cool off a little bit and starts to make a charge. But Dale Earnhardt Jr. still with about a five-car length separation back into turn three. Both drivers go beyond the white line on the inside and drift up coming off turn four. No time to cool off now. Three laps to go as they come off the corner. Last time by LaJoy, back by four-tenths of a second across the start-finish line. Maintains four-tenths. Dale Earnhardt Jr. does as he races into one. Here comes the race leader again, right down to the bottom of turn number one. Likewise for Randy LaJoy. Earnhardt sets up for the exit to the corner. He's on the backstretch. Earnhardt Jr. with about a three-car length separation. Now Randy LaJoy now pulls away, middle of the way down the backstretch to about a six-car length separation. Dale Earnhardt Jr. with Ted, Christ Ted Christopher, a lap car, about 15 car lengths directly in front of them coming off turn four. And a couple of lap cars they'll deal with once they come up off turn number four and Come down to the stripe. There will be two laps to go. Randy LaJoy may have just used up everything he had trying to catch Dale Earnhardt Jr., but Dale seems to have plenty left. And Dale Earnhardt Jr. drives deep into turn number one, had to check up for a moment, then go out wide to get around the car of Ted Christopher off turn two. That allows LaJoy to catch up a little bit of ground again coming off the turn, but Earnhardt too strong down the back straightaway. Pulls back out to about a five-car length separation. LaJoy drives deeper into the turns all the way across the rumble strips. He tries to set his sights on Earnhardt off four. Randy LaJoy wants to pick up his second win of the year. He's got a mile and a half to do it. Coming down to the line, the white flag is out. They cross the start-finish line. Four tenths of a second. No gaining for LaJoy. They head off to turn one. LaJoy still chasing Dale Earnhardt Jr. as he has for the last several laps. For the final time this evening, the leaders are off turn two and on the backstretch. LaJoy takes a different run. Coming off turn two. Goes all the way to the outside wall. Comes down to the middle of the turn, uh, the middle of the straightaway, and he goes back out to the outside wall. But not enough for Dale Earnhardt Jr. as he continues to pull away. Coming off turn four. After crashing out last week at Pikes Peak, losing the series point lead. Poor qualifying this weekend. Earnhardt Jr. is bouncing back. He crosses the line and wins the CarQuest Auto Parts 250 over Randy LaJoy by six tenths of a second. It's going to be a fun weekend of racing in Portland and St. Louis. Can't wait to get there and hope you're there to join us as well. I'd like to thank Austin Hill for joining us on the show this week. Also, our thanks to Brian Wilson as well. I'm Mike Bagley. For the rest of the MRN crew, we thank you for being a part of the show today as well. Don't forget, NASCAR Live Wide Open. You can download that on Thursday. And, of course, NASCAR Live Race Day Sunday from Worldwide Technology Raceway. Until we speak again, so long, everyone. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Trey Downey, Pat Jaggers, and Julian Council. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network.